walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass, or kick butt, you're going to be all right. Sorry, I swear. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, where I, Stephen Shock, am joined by my friends Jake Mintz and George Schusterman to talk about the bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, college baseball. Guys, how are we feeling? We excited? Yeah, so excited. Um, usually you would do three things in a row, the bee's knees, the cat's pajamas, and, you know, the dog's meow. But I did like the way that you went. I, I was going to do three, but that would have taken too long on the podcast clock, and I don't want a ball called. So. <laughs> Cock and, what would you say? Clock and ball. Yeah, yeah, don't need any clock and ball. So It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, we appreciate your discipline, uh, Steve, as you uh, try and, uh, again, li- limited number of disengagements during this podcast. All right? You got to make sure if, you, if you're going to step off, make sure that has purpose. Uh, it is so good to be joined with you guys. I, I got to be honest, I miss you both. Um, it was so fun to record these podcasts IRL. But here we are, continuing on with this shock factor journey. The college baseball season rolls on, and now we are just watching it from our respective couches. And my goodness, there was a lot of college baseball going on this weekend. So much to get to. We will obviously not get to all of it, but we will do our best. And uh, I think we're going to begin with the guy that has the most home runs because that's what baseball is all about. It's hitting home runs. And one I guy. Heard that. <laughs> I heard that. Chick stick, the long ball. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jake, for verifying that. Steve, um, who is this gentleman that has the most home runs in Division One college baseball right now? His name is Jack Caglione, and the simple fact that people know how to pronounce that last name just speaks volumes to what he's doing in the baseball world. Because looking at it on paper, that's not how it should sound. As someone who has a last name that's not sounding the way it should, uh, this is another one of them. And to make that a household name, you got to be mashing some baseballs pretty far, don't you think? I totally agree with you, and just for everyone at home... It is spelled C-A-G-L-I-A-N-O-N-E, and it is pronounced Caglione. The first of the two N's... And the A is, is just and ignored. the A <laughs> is just totally silent. If you sound it out, it would be Caglionone or Caglionone, but it is not. The A and the N are not even there. They're like a silent E... At the end of his name. So there's there's actually three silent letters here. There's the A, the N, and the E at the end. Caglione. But to Steve's point, this is a name that has been said quite often during the first few weeks of the D1 season as this young man has hit 10, count them, 10 HRs, baseballs blasted over the fence, many of which have been hit with exit velocities uh, in excess of 110 miles an hour. And sure, the balls might be crazy juiced, but he's doing it with regularity that makes me think, oh yeah, he probably has some of the best raw power in this entire sport. Something that I love about it is that the University of Florida, who is a powerhouse in our sport generally, hasn't had a whole lot of engrossing, enthralling offensive players as long as I have been paying attention to this sport. And to have... Yeah, Jordan? 
Well, Pete Alonso hit balls pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, but that was like right before I was born. That's like, true. I don't that's really true. Remember you, that. No, you're right. That's that was like, a little bit before we were all into D1. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it was before I was college baseball born. And like, I know Wyatt Langford is a real dude. I totally get that. But to have a guy there who is just dominating so much that people beyond our college baseball universe are paying attention to him, and people are going to the games. In Gainesville, Steve. It's the craziest thing. They said Friday night's attendance was over 8,000 people. Can you believe it? I do not believe it. I am glad. So this is certainly a topic of discussion uh, when we previewed the SEC. And we said, why isn't Gainesville more lit than all the other, like, poppin' SEC environments that everyone always talks about? Oh, my God, you got to go to Starkville. Oh, my God, you got to go to Oxford. Oh, man, you got to check out the box and all. Oh, South Carolina. Okay. And we're like Gainesville, and and I figure I don't know why I didn't say this when we first um, talked about it. The problem to me is that it's in Florida and it's brand new, and it just looks like a spring training park. Mm. <laughs> like it looks with the berm and like the way that it is in the outfield, like it looks like spring training. And spring training by nature is the opposite of lit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it is serene and regular. But this weekend with Miami in town, it was getting pretty intense, and I loved watching it. It did not look like a team, Jordan, that was about to move to Montreal. You know, oh, why aren't people going to the games? Well, you know, the stadium's in St. Petersburg and everyone lives in Tampa, so. Right, right. Yeah. I think the problem they might have had, as I've pondered on it more and more as the season progresses, is the fact that their mascot's a little bit too real. Like, do you think people are like, what if I go to the field and there is a gator? Like, (laughs) There, there could very well be gators here. Meanwhile, in Alabama, you go to a game, you aren't expecting an elephant, are you? Mm-hmm. You might not see an elephant, though, Steve, but you will see a unicorn. And that is what Jack Caglione is because he doesn't just hit home runs. He gives himself the opportunity to allow them, which is a confusing way of saying he also pitches. <laughs> yeah, he, he puts himself out there. He's really risking it. Um all, all he's got to defend himself is 95 to 97 and I was gonna say and- <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say it's not like uh it's not like he's exactly on the defensive you know lobbing it in there <laughs> BP yeah. style he's throwing pretty hard on the mound as well I also wanted to mention you know, we keep harping on the name um it seems like everybody calls him Cags, but I love the jackhammer nickname I think that's fantastic I don't know if we just haven't had enough home run hitters named Jack for this to become uh one that we've uh, been talking about. Uh, but I love that. And yeah, I mean, he is, he, he was, he was a very good high school player. It's not like he's come out of completely nowhere and he was on the team last year as well. This isn't like a a freshman sensation like Tommy white, but yeah, I mean the, the pure ability here for him to be able to start also, right. You know, we talked about Noel McClain, you know, he's, he's more of a reliever who can hit a ball 500 feet and throw 98, but like he's just in the Florida weekend rotation and also now their best hitter, at least one of their best hitters. And that's, it's insane. Players who do both, you don't always see them doing them at the same time. That too. In mm-hmm. college, right? That is what was special with what he did today. Now, he did not hit a home run in the Sunday game against the University of Miami, but he did have four at-bats and throw, I think, six innings, allow just one run, strike out eight. So, not uh, too shabby. Anything else from this series that caught your eye or your fingers, Steve? Um, one thing while we're on the topic was a player um, – that we may have mentioned before in this episode, I won't completely dox him, but he, he pitches too, um, hit a home run. And as he was rounding third base, 
promptly just a quick little flip of the bird to Johandi Morales and he continued on his way but it, it was just really great because earlier in the game um, a Miami player hit a very far home run and immediately threw up the U as he's rounding second base and the announcer's like oh this is just intolerable this is classless that's too far we, he's, his coach is gonna have to talk to him four minutes later this home run hits flick him off whatever they they were like almost slow moded. It was very obviously a flick off when when it was happening. Announcer, and that ball's way back there. It's gone. Oh my, he's amazing. He could do no wrong. Steve is discovering what it means to be a homer in real time. Uh, a homer being a homer. Dur- homer during homers. Homer. Yeah. yeah, I I would say this this year now the 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 final scores were not close whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, uh, Miami uh, or Florida won 10-4, Miami won 14-6, and then today Florida won 14-4. Um, but there, this was sufficient spice. This was a, a rivalry that brought this uh, weird, uh, relaxed ballpark to life. And the, the throwing up the U and, and just – also just like – I mean, Johan Morales, I mean, he's a star. We knew about him. But, yeah, this, this Blake Sear guy, this freshman hitting two homers in their huge win, like – it was nice to kind of get more familiar with both of these teams through their personalities and through their shit talking and through their hypocrisy on the field uh, <laughs> and in the broadcast booth. Uh, but that's that's baseball. And if there's any rivalry where you're going to get all that, it's, it's probably going to be this one. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they are going to be playing again this season. Maybe we'll see them in the postseason. That would be super spicy. But the other takeaway is, like, Florida's pretty good, guys. Florida's pretty good. Seems like we're going to have to be paying attention to them for much of this season, especially as some of these other SEC teams are looking not as great, at least in the middle. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But, yeah, Steve, anything else from Miami, Florida before we move on? No, I just really like when the ser- when when it's a competitive series, you know, because that rivalry is so good for college baseball just – Obviously, we're talking about it, but people on the internet are talking about the spice from the series, too. And, you know, whether or not you agree with it or disagree with it, it's like Tennessee last year. It's good for the game because people are going to watch it. So I'm I'm happy that Florida is really good. Totally agree. Totally agree. Now, Steve, uh, we now transition to we're going to stay in Florida and present the uh, the award uh, which you have so <laughs> lovely dis- love Lily. That's I just made up a word. Uh, lovely described as Stephen Shock's uh, giblet ticklers of the team of the week. <laughs> Who be tippling yeah. that that giblet of yours, Steve? Uh, this oh. <laughs> this week. So, unlike in 2018 when the UMBC Retrievers went down to play Florida Gulf Coast University and they shit waxed us. Um, they jibbled, they, they, they tickled my giblets this week. Um, they just had a really impressive series down at Florida state. They won some tight games and it, it was just impressive to see. They had a freshman pitcher today and they're unfortunately they lost today. They did not sweep, but he went 5.2 innings and didn't give up a single earned run. He gave up three unearned, but it wasn't his runs it, or he left the runners on and got relieved, and then, you know, his reliever, of course, gave up a triple, cashed in those runs, punched out the next guy, and the inning was over. Um, but, yeah, Justin Henschel just, he really shoved for them and really showed out. As a freshman, it's not easy doing that against a really good team early on, so it was cool to see. I watched a pretty decent amount of the Saturday game, 
Shouts out to Joe Kinker. Big kink. That he, dude is my kink large is, and in charge. That guy, I think he's like 25 also, so that helps. Yeah, he's my kink. Uh, he tied the program record for career home runs with yes. a blast. I believe his second, no, his first, for his one home run on Saturday tied the, the program record for home runs. But the way that those first two games went, the Florida Gulf Coast, Florida State games, it felt like Florida State was going to like just win. Both games, like Florida State came back, put a five in the sixth on Saturday, and it just felt like they were going to run away with it. And Florida Gulf Coast like held on and for dear life and won those first in two Tallahassee. games. They're now in Tallahassee. They're now nine and two. I would gander they might see themselves a little little rank piece uh, in the top twenty five coming up coming up here soon. This team seems like it is for eels. And they have uh, two very exciting midweek games coming up this week at Undefeated Troy. We're going to get to the undefeated teams uh, later on in this episode, so very excited about that one. But yes, FGCU definitely have our attention out of the A fun. Uh, all right, enough Florida chat. Let's let's move Florida aside. That was, that was a lot of Florida. Um, so let's let's do the opposite of Florida and talk about the baseball being played in Minnesota over the weekend. Um, the Cambria Classic up at U.S. Bank Stadium. Gentlemen, I believe U.S. Bank Stadium is a football stadium, so what the fuck's going on here? What, why, why are we talking about this? Steve, can you explain this to me? So Minnesota likes to host a tournament, the Golden Gophers, as Golden Gophers will do. Obviously, this is a time of year where the Gophers are just dominating. They're controlling the weather. They're controlling the college baseball tournament. So... You know, they, they say, hey, you know what? Why don't you guys come up here? Our buddy Puxitani Phil said it's probably going to be cold, so we'll just hang out inside. And that's what they do. They hang out inside of uh, of wherever the Vikings play. Can't remember the name of the stadium right now, but there's a lot of purple around. And it's just very confusing. Yeah. I What is aesthetically the field? What is your least favorite part and your most favorite part of the baseball just specifically the field and what it looks like in u.s bank stadium that's what it's called steve what is your favorite part and least favorite part of what it looks like my favorite part is how large left field is because i like seeing like the little league chase after the ball uh triples and home runs i think those are just funny um my least favorite thing is the bases the bases look stupid they're just kind of laid out there it's like, yeah, this might be where second base goes, but we don't know if this is anchored to the ground. It's just kind of kind of here, which to me that's, you know, we're we're mid-major that has a great football program we're practicing inside right now. So, here's my thoughts on the Cambria Classic. First of all, do you know what the company Cambria sells? I don't tell uh, enlighten us. Quartz countertops. Oh, mm. nice. Okay. Do you think uh, whoever was there to create content around the around the tournament was given one free quartz countertop <laughs> every night to like take how home? We were given to take beer. home with them. That's <laughs> hey, uh, you might need some help, but here's a <laughs> that's the thing thousand we're, pound you're, countertop. You're listening to a podcast with three smart gentlemen who went to cover the tournament that was sponsored by the beverage, the beer company, uh-huh, and not the one sponsored by the countertop company. So that's the first thing to know. The second thing that I really struggled with with the indoor games 
is the depth perception. Mm -hmm. A ball, it, the field looks so enormous from that high home camera angle that it just seems impossible that any ball is going to get out. And then when it does, you think it's hit like 800 feet. And it really doesn't help that the broadcast is very, well, we'll be kind. The broadcast was very uh, sluggish at switching its camera angles at the correct time. So there would be some plays where like a ball would be hit to the outfield and there was a bang-bang play at home. But instead of throwing the, like showing the relay, it would just cut to the catcher. And you'd just be like, oh, I, I guess the ball's coming. Right? Like The production of that tournament d is really tough, I'm sure, because you're playing in a football stadium, you're broadcasting in a football stadium. I understand all that. I would be curious to hear about what it was like from some of the players who were there, the experience of playing. I would be confused by the lines on the field. That which... was that was what I was going to say. So that was my answer for my least yeah. favorite part. And and that has to do with, too, with what you're describing is, is how it looks huge, but it's not huge, right? Left field is way bigger than right field, but it's not actually that big. Um, but because there's a football field in the middle of it, you just have this sense of like, oh, my God, they can't hit it that far. And then... Oftentimes they do, and you just can't really understand what you're looking at. Um, so, yeah, but but to your point, Jake, like it's got to be a, a total ridiculous thing to try and produce. I imagine that the people who play in it appreciate the novelty at least to start, but it yeah. maybe by the end of the weekend are just like, this is so freaking goofy um, that I am not enjoying it anymore. But uh, I mean, there were some interesting interesting games, and you know. Vandy, by the way, Steve, uh, you mentioned starting this off by saying that Minnesota, it run, goes through Minnesota. Well, the winless Golden Gophers are currently about to be no hit by Vanderbilt in the finale of this <laughs> classic. So perhaps that changes by the time we're done recording. But uh, they're three outs away from getting no hit. So, But it, I, I'm sure they are very nice hosts. So yeah, we'll leave probably. it at that. Yeah. I, I kind of like, like the yard lines. Only because it, it's a good homage to before the Statcast era of how we would calculate how far home runs hit, home runs were hit. So. Were there any homers to left where they were like the forty, the thirty, the ten? <laughs> you would need like a professional auctioneer. Oh my! Right, exactly. It need to be much forty, the thirty, the ten, the twenty, the twenty-one, the ten, home run. Um, so I don't know about that, but yeah, I mean, it just—it's probably no good way to do it. But I don't know. To me, it's like early in the season. Something different. Sign me up. I'll watch that. Weird as hell. <laughs> so, I'm glad. I'm glad the World Series isn't there. But otherwise, it seems fine. <laughs> it seems fine to me. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let us uh, let us move on to a couple other uh, quick uh, fun moments before we take our our, our break. Um, Steve, umpires do not often get a lot of love on this show. Umpires uh, on also any show, do not so. often go on the ground. Yeah. Uh, not not unless they care, you know. <laughs> Steve, describe to me uh, the play that uh, you tweeted about um, during the the game between the University of Kentucky and who was Kentucky playing? They were playing. Oh boy, what is that team? I do not know. Is Indiana, that Indiana State. Yep. All right, Sycamores. Okay, we got Sycamores and the Wildcats. And <clears throat> what am I looking at here? Because it is not the baseball players. So this is a typical battle of cap versus tree, and here we have a play at third base where I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you I'm not certain which team is which because they're the same colors and <laughs> the jerseys look th those jerseys could go either way I'm gonna I'm, guess Kentucky's playing defense, yeah. Indiana State's in the field. 
if, if I had to guess. But anyway, play right. at third base. Outfield assist incoming. Umpire is behind the third base coach, but the throw, well, the runner appears he's going to be going on the inside of the bag in reference. We're speaking with the inside being towards home plate. The umpire is on the outside of the bag. Umpire sees the throw coming in. He needs to make a quick in-game adjustment around the third base coach who is not in his playpen. He is not. That is a good point. <laughs> Umpire dives, gets up, pop-up pop dive, I would argue. Immediately gets the call dead on. He gets it right, calls him out. But the, the dive itself, just him getting into position and popping up like Chris Kyle, an American sniper, getting ready to take out the enemy. But this is more important. This is college baseball. Sign me up for this guy. Whatever this guy's doing, I'm in. Are we yeah. really going to say that he dove and didn't trip? I'm trying to be positive about umpires. The fact that he is calling a, a man out while we can see his toes through his sock does not matter to me. <laughs> the um, the freeze frame of him face planning behind the third base coach is just just delightful. I, it makes With the shoe happy. in the background, yeah. and he makes the correct call. You know, remember when Zion Williamson went through his Nike shoe at Duke and everyone said, what a powerful man, what an athlete. That's Same what thing. I, what, that's how I felt I about no this umpire. I see no difference. Uh, this is great. Um, speaking of. When I say, I yeah. mean, think about it. When I say breaking your shoe, college athletics, this umpire is Zion Williamson. He's not, I was going to say, I don't know. I don't know what else we're talking about. All right. Speaking of heroic feats of athleticism. Steve, tell me about what one Brody Hopkins did. This play is amazing. If you just read it in the box score, it would be amazing. But then you see it, and it's even more amazing. So tell me what Brody Hopkins of Winthrop uh, pulled off here against the main black, black bears? Bears? Black bears. Black, black bears. bears. Okay, thank you. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, color is important when it comes to bears. Um, But bottom of the seventh, Winthrop's down one. We got Brody Hopkins on second base, and you see the hitter square around for what appears to be a get-him-over bunt, just a little sacrifice bunt. Uh, he gets thrown out at first. He does his job. He's already going to get high fives in the dugout. And then Brody Hopkins, like a madman, just comes screaming around third base. He's thrown out by a clean, like, three steps. What, what does he do? Does he slide? Does he just kind of take it, land down, do the little, ha-ha, you can tag me, I'm clearly out? No, he doesn't. He chops his steps like I probably would do in this situation and jumps clean over the catcher and and lands on home plate. Got to include that part. So he scored from second on a sacrifice bunt, which in itself, super impressive. I've only seen, like, Enrique Bradfield do that one time. Um but he he didn't he didn't just rely on speed to do this he did he did like three different track and field events he he did the hurdle jump he did all you know, there's got to be another one in there somewhere Probably there are bounded. other events yes that's true correct um, it is remarkable it is I, remarkable because he's like a guy we never heard of on Winthrop and he can just do this right that's kind of how I feel about it no offense to Winthrop like if if an Olympian did this, I'd still be in awe. But this, you know, this guy pulled it out of his absolute hat. And it's not he just made it. He got up over a tall standing man. 
Here's what we need it to talk looks, about. You know what it reminds me of? Yeah. It reminds me of that edit where Kobe Bryant jumped over the car. That was <laughs> fake. <laughs> oh, man. That is an internet throwback. Oh, my goodness. That that one, right. For, all, for every time we see the Evan Longoria fake catch of saving the reporter, we needed to see more Kobe jumping over the car. Here's what I want to talk about. Two, first of all, now we've had, uh, you know, hurdles of catchers. You know, Chris Coughlin, iconic. But normally it involves some sort of flip, right? You're normally diving, jumping over. But to jump, to, to literally hurdle and, again, land perfectly on the base is so amazing. But what we really need to talk about here is the, like, before we even get to the to the amazing hurdle, he doesn't even break stride. Was this the plan all along for him to, because from what I can tell, when he squares around, it is first and second with one out. Okay. Are they trying to move him over to get second and third? Now, I know they're down one in the seventh to have second and third with two outs. Or is the play here actually, hey, Brody, you're going to score from second on this, or at least it's, you're going to score from second. This is a play that I used to run on MVP Baseball 2004. <laughs> okay. But, mm. that's, but why do you do that? That's because the AI can, the, 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 the degree to which you are, th- again, this happens all the time. Yes, you can, in baseball video games, the amount of bullshit you can do with base running is immense because you can't because the, the computer especially in those earlier games was is not going to react quickly enough to be able to catch you now in this case do you think this was actually the play or do you think brody just sent it steve what do you think i think he's just going for it anyone <laughs> because who's we gonna can't do see this, the third base coach so i don't know yeah. if this was really the plan a- anyone who's gonna do some tomfoolery like this they don't run it by a coach they don't ask they're asking for forgiveness not for permission and in this case, he's not asking for either because it worked. Oh my so God. It, it's one of those things where I feel like he would have had to run tomorrow if it didn't work, but it works. And now he's like, God. I mean, but to your point, Steve, I mean, he was out by 10 feet and he was like, well, might as well try this. Well, <laughs> time for time for my moon shoes to activate. Oh, the bowling. It was, it was incredible. Right. It was also, yeah, it was like the, um. Uh, the the leapfrog in uh, backyard football <laughs> over the <laughs> over the offensive line. Um, all right, as many video game references as we can make. Uh, congratulations, Brody Hopkins. That is one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back with some other teams, players, and uh, undefeated teams that have caught our attention. Today's show is brought to you by Warm Bathroom. Most of the Division I schedule thus far has been teams from the north going south like birds in the autumn. But this week, we will start seeing some cold weather games up north. So when the weather gets chilly and your team issued jacket isn't keeping you toasty enough, make sure you check out Warm Bathroom. Whether or not you actually have to crap doesn't matter at all. You're not going to play today anyway, so get into that toasty stall and sit on the john with your baseball pants for as long as you need. Bring a phone, watch a movie, call your grandma, whatever. The important thing is that you're cozy and not freezing your toes off in the dugout. Warm bathroom. It's like heaven, but with sinks. Thank you to Warm Bathroom. Probably one of the that's, – that's, that's pretty relatable, even for you know those who aren't in the dugout. Um, warm bathroom is a, an incredible reprieve from the frigid temps of some early season baseball. Steve, can you uh, confirm warm bathroom also one of your your favorite spots 
at the yeah, ballpark. love the warm bathroom. At, uh, at UVA, we had a bathroom in our bullpen, which if you don't have a bathroom in your bullpen, get one. Can't recommend it enough. <laughs> get but one. We would. We wow, would your privilege is just showing so much. Oh Remember my. where yeah. you came Steve, from? Steve, I don't even recognize you. Get a bullpen in your. Get a bathroom in your bullpen. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? You so can. Cute. You can buy pop-up tent bathrooms. You can. They're on Amazon. They're like a hundred bucks. I'm not talking. You don't need the highest quality. You Steve's just need like, to block the wind. You really. poverty mid majors don't have a bathroom in your. Bullpen? Anyway, sorry, Steve. Continue. I assume no, I, the bullpen look, bathroom was I, rather toasty. Is that what you're saying? I bore the cold for five years of just no bathrooms in the bullpen. Maybe four. No bathrooms in the bullpen, and I got one, changed my life. It's like a bidet. When you were at UMBC, did you have warm bathroom around? No, our closest bathroom was uh, at the soccer stadium behind the field. Mm. So I made, I made plenty of trips there, don't get me wrong, but it, it's just the convenience factor. Like, at UVA, when we were in the bullpen, we were in the bathroom, and like... <laughs> If you want to, if you want to really see my privilege, we had heaters above the bullpen benches, and we were still in oh, the bathroom. Makes me sick because that's all reliable. The yeah. only time we weren't in it was when someone had to use the bathroom to get rid of some things that would make it smell pretty horrible. Thanks again to Warm Bathroom for sponsoring. In our second half uh, of the show, we are going to talk about some other teams that caught our attention as well as some individual performances and then finish off with some undefeated versus winless chatter. We begin with the other teams that caught our attention. Uh, gentlemen, uh, University of Tennessee, uh, they're looking pretty good. It seems that Maui Hoon is playing baseball again, which is great. Tony V's back in the dugout. And Tennessee, I believe, has a team ERA of like 1.2, um, which, again, the pitching was awesome when I watched them lose two games. But now they're hitting a shit ton of homers because they're back home in the cozy confines of Lindsey Nelson. And Blake Burke is just going absolutely ham. And, uh, yeah, they seem to be back in business, even if Gonzaga is maybe not the non-conference power that they were as recently as last year. Jake, go ahead. Can I say something irresponsible? Please. Blake Burke's swing and the way that he dismounts the swing. Looks the like bat, Ken Griffey Jr. Looks like Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, it does. And it... It, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying he's as good as Ken no, Griffey Jr. True. He does. It does look like cool. It. Yeah. The way that he dismounts the bat on a home run, the only person I have ever seen do anything like it is Ken Griffey Jr. Steve Blake Burke is the next Ken Griffey Jr. Is that what I'm hearing? Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. The guy from the Major League Baseballs. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. He seems like very where did Ken Griffey swing. Jr. play? Yeah, he played University of Cincinnati um, but for a long time, I think. But no, I, I think the dismount part is important because the swing obviously is different. It's not Ken Griffey Jr., but the dismount, it's like, wow, that that's pretty close. It's like Robinson Cano, like yep, that's prime another good, Robinson Cano, though. That's a good – no, that's actually not a bad comp, too, in terms of, like, bat dismounts versus bat flips. The thing for me with Blake Burke – and I guess they had some guy, but they didn't really have anyone on the team last year where, like, they could all hit homers there, right? We know that. Um, and, like, some of the older guys, like Lipsius, and, like, they could hit it pretty far. Blake Burke has insane power, 
that he does not need a tiny ballpark to hit it out of. And so it just seems like overkill. When he's launching balls out to right, I mean, you might as well put a second stadium there and it'd still be going out, which is like I'm – I. I'm, I'm conflicted because on the one hand, it's like, oh, my God, look how far past the fence he's hitting it. On the other hand, I almost wish he played in a bigger park so I could even appreciate his home runs even more. Um, he's only a sophomore. I mean, he's going to hit so many this year, so many next year. He's amazing. The whole t- Tennessee team, now that Ahuna's back, is just rolling. And, I mean, look, we said it. I said, look, oh, they had oh, look at the schedule. They're about to go on a run, and they did. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule for the next couple weeks, and, like, their first two SEC series are <laughs> – at Mizzou and at home against AM, and AM has not exactly looked great. So, like, this is going to, they're just going to keep putting up crazy amounts of runs. But hey, good for them, man. Vols are back. It's nice. College baseball is more interesting. So, I'm glad they're good. Yeah, I like Maui Ahuna. He's just, he's so smooth at shortstop. Like, <clears throat> any ball hit to him, there, there's never a question of if he's going to field it. It's how, how smooth is he going to look while he fields this, which. Yeah. I appreciate that's a, that's what you want in a shortstop. That's what people say about our podcasts. They're going to finish it, but just how smooth is it going to be? Uh, another team that caught my attention is Central Connecticut for their bravery and courage, Steve. <laughs> how so, Jake? Uh, they st- w- yeah, go ahead, Jake. They went on down to LSU to kick off their season, but and guess what happened? But I love this because they weren't alone. And I don't know how the scheduling worked out, but it was a bit of a pod as Butler, the Butler Bulldogs were also down there. And so Central Connecticut decided to, I think they were just supposed to start their season against, against Mass last week and it got canceled because obviously it was too cold. Um, but they went down there with Butler and on Friday they beat Butler in their opener 6-5 to five in, I assume, just at the box. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't watch that game. I don't know how many people were at that game, but they beat Butler in their opener 6-5. to five. And then the next day, they lose 26-4 to LSU. I mean, the Tigers are. <laughs> Tommy White finally woke up. We'll talk about it a little bit later. And then, in the doubleheader, they just beat Butler again, 3-1. Oh, then they came back on Sunday and lost 13 to nothing. So, at least – so, wait, did Butler just go – Butler just must have had a rough – yeah, okay. So, Butler just, you know. <laughs> oh, they play LSU again tomorrow. Oh, God. All right, they're going to have another another Monday Monday uh, uh, um, blowout. Uh, but maybe not. Shock the world, Butler. I'd love to see that. Um, but yeah, so Central Connecticut State, though, that's just a hell of a way to start your year. It's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's just go play LSU. <laughs> Although, wait, I, you know what's. Wait, 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 wait. You know why it's so funny about this, guys? You guys know this. Schedules are made a year in advance. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> two years in advance. So, like, they, they made this. They were like, oh, you know, LSU, I mean, they're good, but, you know, who knows? Well, again, it was the second week of their season. So they're like, yeah, so we'll get like a nice series in at home. I guess, or, you know, against uh, Mass, and then we'll head down and play. Like, LSU's kind of rebuilding. Like, that'll be fine. Butler will come, too. That might have been scheduled before Jay Johnson was even there. I could be wrong about that, but I would love to know that, like, you know, as all the transfers are happening, Central Connecticut's like, ah, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say, I feel like their their head of scheduling was just like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Each day over summer was just a new nightmare. (laughs) Right. No, I love that. I love that. Uh, Steve, another series I know you watched a lot of, uh, I'm pretty sure, was the Long Beach State at ECU. Very, very fun uh, mid-major showdown down in the jungle. What what were your takeaways from from that series? Uh, Just that Long Beach State University is really good at baseball, you know? 
coming to the jungle and taking three from or taking two out of three from ECU is not easily done. Especially because, like, that environment, it's going to be a lot different than anything Long Beach State's used to, I would say. Just because it it's a unique environment to every player. Because the jungle, it, it just, they pack the jungle. There's Twitter accounts dedicated to packing the jungle. Yeah. And that's only one subsection of their stadium. It's true. Think about, think about all the other Twitter Twitter handles that are probably out there for, I don't know, section 107 up the third base line. Um, but they just heckle, heckle the other team. They give them hell and they, they have fun with it. Don't get me wrong, but to come in there and take two out of three, it, 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 I, I'm, I'm saying something wrong. I can feel it. Yeah. Did no, I, it's did fine. I, I said it wrong. No, I it set you up for failure, Steve. That's on me. That's on me. So I, I didn't realize this cause I was like, holy shit. Like Long Beach state went and played a series at ECU. This was actually another way. Assume, generally assume this time of year that there's more than one team there <laughs> or more than yeah, two teams. It was, there, it was the Keith LeClaire classic. I don't know what I'm talking. No, you're, about. you're, you're okay. I, I, so I knew but, that, but to, to, to Long Beach state credit, they did win all three games. They beat Georgetown, they beat ECU, then they beat Indiana today. Um, so that was the one loss for, for ECU was against Long Beach state. So it just seemed like that game on Saturday was an amazing environment. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was enough a random matchup. It was that, a, like, you know, we get to see. It was enough of a great game to get me to think it was a whole weekend series. So, <laughs> yes. if that tells you anything, but I remember I saw one clip of the people in left field just heckling Rocco Pepe, having fun with it. it it's just good stuff. I, I like it. I want Long Beach State to be really good at baseball again because they're one of those schools like Cal State Fullerton where you think of them and it's just like, no, they're supposed to be really good at baseball. Yeah. Very I true. want them to be good again, so I don't have to be the only dirtbag in Omaha. Hey, 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 that's also a good transition. Glad you mentioned Fullerton, um, because we did have an actual series out at Fullerton, and our last team we want to mention, not so positive, although I guess we can just spin it and talk about Fullerton looking good. But, Fullerton, Jake is, is doing some aggressive hand gestures, as it appears that the horns of Texas... They would appear to be in the downward position as things currently stand. <laughs> now, I will say, the game that they played against LSU midweek was, an, was one of the best midweek games I've seen in a long time. That was a bang. That was an absolute, just complete fuego. So we loved that, but they did lose <laughs> at home. Sorry. Uh, and it doesn't then, matter how much of a banger it is. Yeah, it's an L's and L's. Yeah, and then they, they lost the last game of the series against Indiana last week. And then they lost two or three against Fullerton, and now Texas is four and seven. We knew this team would look very different this season after their run to Omaha last year. No more Ivan Melendez, no more a lot of other their best players. And now uh, taking on our boys at Sam Houston this week, midweek. That'll be a nice one. Nice one to watch. But uh, they got, you know, they got some easier series coming up, you know, Manhattan, North Dakota State, New Orleans, but they got to get their shit right before they go into Big 12 play because it is not looking so great down in the Republic, as uh, Mike Rooney likes to say. They need to get their shit right before they get into SEC play. Uh, that's that is... definitely true, but not quite a problem yet. But that is absolutely correct. Uh, and if, yeah, if they can't handle Big 12 play this year, then they are really not going to have a good time next two seasons. Two, I, I forgot. Uh, Steve, I don't know how much you've watched of Texas, but are you worried your friend Ivan isn't on the team anymore? No, but uh, <clears throat> Dylan Campbell's still there. He's really good. I like Dylan you know, Campbell. He, yeah. he had a good weekend. I watched him hit a million-foot home run, so that was really cool. 
Um, they just need to get more consistent with their gloves. I feel like the airs or what have really been killing them. You know, anytime you're playing for more than 27 outs, you're you're in for a pretty. 27 is already a lot of outs to get, right? So, if you're if you're giving your guys more outs to get, now it's now we're kind of getting tired. I have a take. Bring it. This is a podcast. Texas, That's why we're here. If Texas is under 500 and you beat them, you cannot horns down them. Oh, love this take. This is a great If team. they are bad and you horns down them, it's not cool. So there was kind of a weak, limp, sad horns down that we saw. Someone did to Texas. I don't remember when. But at some point this year, this year like giving Texas a horns down is just – it's like making fun of like a fallen rock star. <laughs> you know, who's like down on their luck. Great point. So I don't know if Indiana did it a week ago when they beat them. Texas was 500 at that point. Um, so that's, I don't know what if you, the ruling wait, is Wait, they there. beat them to get to 500 or they beat them and push them below 500? They beat them to push them below. That you can do. That you oh, can do. Because then you are horns. quite literally putting the horns in a downward under Correct. 500 position. That is Correct. true. I like that a lot. But so even, that's my dude, but like, dude, if Manhattan down. fucking beats them, like they're going to do it. Come on. I think the Jaspers deserve it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Mid-majors. This does not apply to mid-majors. Sorry. I should I should clarify. Okay. You're saying for, for Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and K-State and, yeah. Or I guess Texas State. That was the big one. So they play the back-to-back with Texas State April 10th and 11th. It will be very interesting to see where both of those teams are at at that stage. You can horns down them if you win both. You can horns down them in the second, in the second game. game. I am the horns down judge as a lifelong <laughs> – resident of not texas as someone who was just in texas for four days can i I tell you guys something i gained 10 pounds because of our time in texas i think wait (laughs) what about your week in florida before that that wasn't part of it did you weigh yourself before you came to texas (laughs) a little i think it was also my week in florida but like i thought about it and i didn't eat that poorly or drink that much in florida but in Texas, all I did was eat barbecue and <laughs> drink, slam drink, 10 drink beers a, lot a night beer. with you guys. And yeah. then I went to my parents' house, and they had a scale, and I weighed in, like, and I was at 203. And I was okay. like, oh, boy, I can't go back to Texas. <laughs> Steve thoughts? Uh, I, I dodge down, scales. Horns down, Jake's weight up. <laughs> for, the, for the horns down, if you're a mid-major, Texas is below 500. But you actively have the dish on your Snapchat story, put them all down. Put them all down because that's half yeah. the players. So that's a I think that's point. a fair, that's a, a fair point. addendum to the rule. I like that. Let's too. move on from the horns being down and talk about some specific players that caught our attention. And if you catch me and Steve's attention, that's pretty crazy because boy, oh boy, do we have ADHD. Steve, who is a player that caught your attention this week? <clears throat> Hunter Fitzgerald from ODU. I've talked about his friend, Jake Tyser, quite often. Mainly because my friend, Jordan Schusterman, told me about Jake Tyser. And he was right. Jake Tyser hits a lot of home runs. But Hunter Fitzgerald, also from ODU, also hits a lot of home runs. He has eight right now, which is only one behind Jake Tyser. But I, I have failed Hunter Fitzgerald greatly. In not talking about him enough, I, I did, I even failed him so hard that one time I posted a Jake, I posted that Jake Tyser hit a home run, and it was a video of Hunter Fitzgerald hitting a home run, and Hunter, 
Very nice guy. Just quoted it, said, yeah, Jake Tyser is him, but this is me. Great way to put it. Hilarious One of the funniest tweets I've seen this season. The funniest I, version of he is him I've ever seen. The he is him, but that is me. That is just incredible. Okay, I have a few Hunter Fitzgerald things, which I feel like is only fair because I've talked so much about Jake Tyser. So yeah. we saw, of course, like last year, you know, Matt Cootney hurt in Alberton. I mean, ODU's hitting a ton of homers, right? And so I looked at Hunter Fitzgerald's uh, bio on his ODU uh, page. By the way, like Jake Tyser, Fitzgerald was just, you know, dropping bombs in, in JUCO last year. He was in, in Florida, Florida Southwestern. And so I pulled up his, his bio. And you know how you know how on every – or a lot of college bios it says, uh, it, it, you know, oh, okay, it gives you their background, oh, high school stats and the personal, whatever. And then it says, why blank? Why are you at this school, right? And so it says, why ODU, right? So let's just, like, give an example. So, like, on Jake Tyser's um, – let's see. What does Jake Tyser's bio say? Why ODU? Oh, I don't even think Jake Tyser has – he doesn't even – there's no information on him. Okay, so Hunter Fitzgerald says, why ODU? Steve, why ODU? And I'm why just going to read this. This is, this is six words. Sorry, seven words. They hit a lot of home runs. That's, That's all what it, it says, says. <laughs> on his bio. Why ODU? They hit a lot of home runs. Hell yeah. Steve's now showing us his old Dominion jersey. Uh, that is incredible. Uh, and now you can you can post the video of this, but Hunter Fitzgerald just saying yeah that that's why I'm I'm at, that's why I went transferred there because they hit a lot of home runs and now I hit a lot of home runs, which is amazing, um, and I'm also fascinated by his name, uh, Fitzgerald with the uh, with the hyphen in between Fitz and Gerald, it hmm. says on his bio son of Colleen and Todd Fitz dash Gerald, does that mean that it was Fitz and Gerald, and they just combined it to be Fitzgerald. Like that is an incredibly convenient coincidence, if that is the case. What do you think, Jake? I know you think about hyphens often. I do think about hyphens often. I am fascinated by this. I am very skeptical that Fitz met Gerald. <laughs> so am I. So I would love to have this explained. It looks like Steve can probably get him get him on the line pretty quickly. It- it's going to be like how when we have the shock factor blindside situation, we're going to have, you know, whichever guy hits the most home runs that we take into our home will be, <laughs> let's say their name's Jim. It'll be Jim Mintz Shock Schusterman. <laughs> oh, I um, see. It doesn't flow as nicely. Yeah, but yeah, but that's the thing. Like, was this really just meant to be an a Fitz meta Gerald or like how did, what, what's going on here? I would just love to know. Um, but the point is, he's there because they hit a lot of home runs, and now he's hitting a lot of home runs. That is beautiful. That that warms my heart. Um, so congrats to him and Jake Tyser. I really hope you lead the country in homers so I can be the smartest person of all time. Uh, Jake, speaking of home runs, tell me about what you saw from Gavin Cassis this weekend against uh, Clemson. Gavin Cassis, first baseman, big bois over at the University of South Kakalaki. He was at Vanderbilt for a little bit, I believe two years. He's the brother of Tristan Cassis, the first baseman on the Red Sox. And it's just a bizarre situation for me because he was at Vandy, riding pine, not playing, transfers to South Carolina, who is like, you know, if, if Vandy is an A-level a program, South Carolina is like B+, right? Like they're they're 
there's you would imagine that the guy hitting seven home runs on South Carolina could probably get some playing time on Vanderbilt, right? You would you would you would think you would think, and it is the way that he has hit these home runs. He had one to the opposite field today that was jaw dropping. That yeah. was absolutely ludicrous. And then the other one he hit to dead center. He didn't even pull these boys. So I am I am rooting for Gavin Cassis, and I am excited for the revenge series against Vandy because I I could imagine there's a maybe not good blood. Well, at the very least, it's like hey, even if there he's still friends with people on the team, it's like hey. I'm hitting a shit ton of homers, and you're you're not. <laughs> Vanderbilt's <laughs> offense, I mean, they've been pretty good to start the year, but it's mostly because they're pitching so good. Like, they could definitely use a few guys that can hit the ball over the fence. Now, speaking of Vanderbilt pitching, we probably should mention, I don't know if you guys saw this, they literally just threw a no-hitter. I, I, well, I mentioned it 20 minutes ago that they were in the middle of throwing a no-hitter. Uh, as Steve was extolling how amazing Minnesota baseball, Minnesota baseball is, so that is the Cambry Classic concluded a combined no hitter for the for the Vandy boys. Gavin Cassis, of course, would not have helped at that, but uh, yeah, he. I agree. The opposite field homers are crazy. Also, he looks like his brother, and the opposite field homers look like his brothers. And yeah, man. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, April fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and even better, it is at Vanderbilt. So that makes it more At fun. Vanderbilt. So, that is the location of his unfinished business. So I, I really expect a big series there. That's exactly right. Also, like he, him going oppo over the monster in Nashville. Ooh. Ooh. Chef's kiss. That'll be delicious. Um, one more player that – or sorry, two more players we need to mention. First, I want to talk about Ike Irish. Uh, Ike Irish, true freshman at Auburn. But I honestly don't want to talk about Ike Irish and how good he's been for Auburn, although he has been really good. Um, how much do you guys know about Ike Irish? For, I mean, amazing name, obviously. He's hitting, he's he's hitting five thirty-five, so that's pretty good for a true freshman in the SEC. He doesn't have any homers, so you know, uh, honestly, stunning to have that many hits and not have a home run in the year 2023 like that seems mathematically impossible um but what do you guys know about ike irish and where he's from and just kind of what his deal is uh steve do you know anything about ike uh i i know a lot less than i'll know in about three minutes i got a bunch <laughs> okay is he from ireland no no i mean possibly has some heritage he was the kid from michigan who played with brock porter Yes, nicely done. Nicely done. He did indeed play uh, with Brock Porter at Orchard Lake St. Mary's. But what do you know about that school and the team that they played on together? Now, if you have Ike Irish and Brock Porter on the same team, you're probably pretty good, right? I mean, that's must be pretty pretty talented. I mean, I know that's just two players on a baseball team. Didn't they lose like one game all year? Gentlemen, they went 44-0. and Oh. But... That's fine. If if a team in Florida or California goes 44-0, I'm like, damn, they're really good. But how do you play 44 games, high school baseball games in Michigan? Steve, does this is this kind of tripping some wires here? You get a little skeptical? Yeah, that, I, I played 18 games my senior year of high school in Maryland, which if and, you aren't familiar with geography, it's warmer here. Steven, to that point, you uh, – correct me if I'm wrong. You went to a, a private Catholic school, correct? Yes, I did. And you were playing against other private Catholic schools, correct? Yep. Well, that is mostly Catholic, whatever. Uh, same thing for Ike Irish. 
However, they just have this situation. Two things to know about this league. One is that they start with a 1-1 one, one count. All the time. Hmm. All the time. Just one okay. one count. It is always one one count. Add in the fact that they're all seven innings or less because mercy rule, and they're playing a ridiculous number of doubleheaders, and then they're playing like six games a week during spring break, if not more. That is how you get to 44 0. Thank you to Brian Sikowski of Perfect Game, who is very familiar with this region and this program, who let me know about this. But I just saw Michigan High School 44 0, and I just, it did not compute whatsoever. And so I had to ask some questions. Steve, you said you played 18 games, right? Jake, what was the most games you played in a season? 12 13 <laughs> 13 so uh i just because i the, the reason i bring it up is because that fact keeps coming up on auburn broadcast i got irish 44 and 0 44 and 0 and i just did not understand it at all and i wanted to share my findings with this podcast listeners thank all you right. jordan anyway uh steve please tell us about canon peebles and then we're going to do some winless chat and then be done canon peebles talk about a fun name to say <laughs> Um, he went six for six with two home runs and three doubles the other day. He ended a triple shy of the cycle and quite honestly, one flat tire away from a triple to complete the cycle. He, uh, in his sixth and final at bat, he roped a double down the right field line and he had a pretty decent shot of making it at a triple, but just somewhere between uh second and third, he, uh, completely blew out, you know, and he, he slowed down. He did, What he should have done, should have talked to Brody Hopkins about how to jump over people better. Because he was thrown out by multiple steps, and he was just like, I'm tired, fuck it, whatever. That was a lot of extra base hits for one day. Just tag me. I'm it, done. In his defense, Steve, if we want to roll with the he you know flat tire analogy, those tires were well-worn by his sixth at-bat. The, the, oh yeah, it the was, guy it had was lap four ninety nine of five hundred. <laughs> the guy, the guy had been making several trips around the bases at that point. So it's not totally stunning that he eventually tripped. I mean, if you're that many times, you know. Um, but no, I mean that's it's fucking crazy. His name's Cannon Peebles. He's a catcher. Yeah. he's a catcher. And, Did he catch that whole game too? Yeah, and he's a switch hitter, and he had two home runs. You want to know something crazy about him? One was from left. One was from right. Pretty cool. Impossible. I, I refuse to believe that is allowed in this sport. Um, yeah, that's insane. If he caught that whole game also, that is completely impossible to fathom. Um, and, uh, yeah, Cannon Peoples. I mean, it doesn't get any better than, than being named Cannon Peoples and have it going six for six. I mean, that is that is the coolest shit I've I mean, ever if, seen. If your last name's Peoples, just, you definitely don't go with, like, Jim. You know, this, they leaned into a good name. Dude, he caught the whole game, and they were up by 20. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I guess he was still in because of he was going for these like his this historic offensive performance. Uh, but that is just amazing. I love that. That's got to be one of the better games we're going to see in all year. And by the way, that is also a great transition. What a pro, Steve. I'm sure you meant to do this. Go great transition into our final segment today, which is checking in on our undefeated teams. And one of them is indeed NC State. Uh, Jake, tell me about the teams that still have not lost a baseball game in 2023. Alabama is 12 and 0. Virginia is 11 and 0. Wake Forest is 13 and 0. NC State 12 and 0. Troy, Troy, it might be a Trojan horse. They're 11 and 0. Let's start with Wake Forest, Steve. Their run differential is 148 to to, to 23. 
Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big gap. That would win you a lot of belts at the Carbach Round Rock Classic because <laughs> I heard run differential was important. <clears throat> but yeah, they aren't just like winning games. You know, these are nail biters. I feel bad for their closer who's getting zero opportunities. Oh yeah, right Cam Minacci, right? Mina- Mina- just Minassi? I think it's Minassi. Sorry, go ahead. You, you probably got a better guess than I do, but. Yeah, they're just destroying everybody in their path, and it's fun to watch. And go, 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 Demon Deacons! I like them. We did talk about what the hell a Demon Deacon is uh, before this season, and now we seem to be finding out. <laughs> this is a team that is going to score a ridiculous amount of runs. They have thirty-one homers in thirteen games. Um, they, I mean, yeah, Brock Wilkins got nine. Adam Cesari's got seven. Kurtz has five. They're hitting 348 as a team. I mean, yeah, it's and they have a team ERA of 180, so that's decent. But the thing with all five of these teams that's important to remember is that they have played basically nobody. All five of them. Steve, as a UVA grad, take a look at the UVA schedule, and I want you to look me in the eye seriously and tell me the toughest matchup, the toughest opponent they've had so far. I don't want you to tell me seriously. Let's see if you can do it. It it legitimately might be the Rhode Island Rams, um, and that's okay. But let, let's take a look. Navy, oh, UNCW. They're a good school. UNC, it's got to uh, be UNCW, or if we're just talking tough, I'll go with the, the military schools like the Navy and VMI. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think Virginia has, even by these standards, the easiest. I think they I have totally the disagree. No? I totally disagree. I think they actually have the hardest. No way. Col- Alabama. Alabama against High Point, Richmond, and Tennessee Tech is better than any of these. And even UIC is better than any of these. Who, who do you Columbia think? was a regional team last year. Okay. That's true. That's true. Columbia. The Columbia series is probably the best series, but the rest of them are. VMI Rhode Island. Uh, outlasted Mississippi State in that one game. Okay. <laughs> I think the UVA schedule is not okay. good. It's definitely not good, but I don't think it's that egregious. Whereas if you take a look at uh, Wake Forest uh, or Troy or NC State, you will certainly see some egregiousness. We don't need to get into the specifics Here's the thing, there. Though. First of all, NC State had to walk off homer today to survive and to stay uh, undefeated against, survive. against uh, uh, NJIT. But let's stop looking backwards and, and making fun of the teams they beat, okay? Who is going to be undefeated the longest? This is always a question every season of college baseball. Wake Forest has Coastal uh, midweek, and then they go to Duke next week. Duke's playing pretty well. but that's, Don't love that for Wake. Jake's, Jake's not. Yeah, at, on the road, too, because they've just been going ham at home. On the road might be a little tough there. I wonder if that's at the, at the DBAP or if that is actually on Duke's campus. I know they split those games, right, Steve? I, I never understood how those home games work at Duke. Do you know? Do you understand that? Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's like half at the Durham Bulls, half at like their home field. Right. I don't know the name of their home field, but right. their home field dugout is very slippery. So if you're playing there, just be careful. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> NC State uh, at UNC Greensboro. Jake, I know you're just watching them midweek. And then at Miami next week. So that's that'll be a, a nice little test. Troy, of course, the one mid-major still undefeated. They've got two against FGCU and then at UCF. So if Troy can make it through this next uh, five games being undefeated, I will be officially impressed, um, even as a mid-major. UVA has at UNC next weekend, and then Alabama has Samford, Alabama State, Columbia, and then at Florida. So 
I feel like Alabama might be the safest pick to remain undefeated uh, moving forward. They have been really good. I know you wanted to shout out Colby Shelton, uh, Steve. Yeah, five home runs this weekend. Very good job, Colby. I'm good proud job. Of you. Five homers this weekend is really good, especially for a freshman. Uh, but yeah. then the series I'm watching, NC State at home against UVA in two weeks. So on the chance that both of those teams sweep next weekend, that would be ridiculously cool. So that's what we're definitely rooting for. Uh, yeah, but I'm Jake, excited to see yeah. Troy take on the giblet ticklers. Oh, yes, against FTCU. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, and then Columbia is, like, playing all these teams, which is hilarious and great. <laughs> Columbia is just showing up on everybody's schedule. Um, but, Jake, I know that on the other side of things, you're also looking forward to a series uh, or, or a little a string of games coming up this weekend that I, I believe maybe you'll be in attendance for. Is that, is that true? This week, because uh, it's winless time, baby. Yeah. Fordham will be hosting two other winless teams. On back-to-back days up in the Bronx, just a train's ride away from where I'm currently sitting in my fake leather chair. The 0-10 Fordham Rams are going to be hosting the 0-10 St. Peter's Peacocks and the 0-9 Stony Brook Wolves, I believe. Sea Wolves? Sea Wolves. Sea Wolves. Back-to-back days during this week. A battle of the winless teams. What happens... When a movable object meets a stoppable force, about to find out. who can say? So I just want to say to the winless teams out there, I think there are 12, Fordham, Northwestern, Minnesota, Stony Brook, Brown, Dartmouth, Cornell, St. Peter's, Long Island University, Merrimack, and New Mexico State. Keep at it, Those wins guys. are coming. They're we'll get coming. them next time. We, They're going to happen. I believe in you. Uh, Let's start this business. I might need to report live from if Fordham loses the first game against, I think it's against Stony Brook, and they have to come back the next day and play another winless team. That's going to be high drama. I know. I hope. uh, Well, well, it's just nice to know that some of these teams will be getting their first win this week, guaranteed. That brings me that brings me uh, a joy. So on that note. I think uh, we're going to end this here podcast. Steve, final thoughts uh, before we say goodbye after another delightful weekend of college baseball. Final thoughts are this. Go college baseball. It's been really fun so far. The season has been honestly a little overwhelming with how much action there has been. And keep it up. Keep bringing that action. I'll keep being overwhelmed. I'm fine with it. I'm used to it. Welcome to my world. I'm over. I'm in constant fear. But... Overwhelm me. Distract me from that fear with sick baseball highlights. I'm going to go use a warm bath here.